Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach Podcast. You're on once again with Chizo. In today's episode, it is the recap of round eight. And with me this afternoon to talk all things Supercoach is the man himself. Pistol, how are you going there, champion? I feel refreshed after a, a week off the pod. I've, I had to do some soul searching because I had a terrible, terrible week last week um, in the 2200s and dropped from like... One and a half k all the way to nearly four k, um, Chizo, which was not great. Um, and then this week I put up a two five two four and jumped back to one thousand three hundred sixty. So uh, it's I've circled back around, but I'm feeling a lot better this week. That's for sure. How about you? A uh, twenty four sixty three for me brought me in from six thousand seven hundred to thirty eight fifty. So, uh, sort of halving my rank or almost halving my rank in the last three rounds. So, I actually looked at it before pistol three rounds ago. I was ranked at thirty k on the dot, and three weeks later, I'm into thirty eight fifty. So, um, that that upgrade cadence and just being aggressive with the trades has obviously really helped me to get where I am. Yeah. Um, but I've obviously burnt through a lot of that cash generation and stuff like that. So uh, it's going to be super interesting to see where it goes from here and how the buyers impact us, and we'll get into a few things um, in a moment. Uh, but once again, Doc Supercoach podcast is powered by Code Sports. You can go check out our latest article over on the Code Sports website. Um, we've got a little bit more housekeeping to get through. We've got three Cancer Council donations. Uh, Dennis D has Dennis's dogs into the eight. Thank you for your donation, Dennis. Um, Ruben Brooks has dollar per point over slash unders for six projected score for the round. Full disclosure, I forgot I had switched the C onto Bont after four GNTs, uh, despite having the C armband on Sicily all week long. Wow. That's a a amazing uh, alcoholic-infused decision. Huge, huge. Donate for dumb luck. We like those as well. And Delvin's just got Anguin as a, <laughs> as a uh, that's not his donation. Not too bad. I Maybe assume, if you played him on field. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, he did copper copper knock. Uh, I'm not sure if he's going to play this week because of it, but his ankle, I think it was, didn't look great. Um, yeah. But hopefully he's okay because he was. I think he plays all right. It's just that's you can't really predict predict the injuries particularly rookie injuries it doesn't leave you anywhere to go um they just end up all on your bench you just went new zealander then or he's just been predicted oh no that was south africa uh, no i don't do accents you know 
Um, uh, or, or maybe this Chizo character has been uh, an Australian accent yeah, all along true. from somewhere else. <laughs> We've got two Canadian. patrons. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is, eh? Uh, two uh, patron sign-ups this week. Thanks for, for joining mid-season. You're just in time for the Dr. Supercoach Cup in a few weeks. That'll be getting underway. We've got more on that soon. Uh, just Joshua and just Josip. Thank you so much for joining and jumping into Patreon. Thank you. Uh, I needed Slack straight away. So we've got the first uh, a couple little um, things we want to touch on before we get into some big super coach kind of think tank, um, I guess, topics. Um, the one for me is I had a big panic stations because I had my three boosted trades lined up this week. Saw Marshall roll his ankle late in the game. And I was like, no, everything's going downhill. Um, but apparently... <laughs> Uh, Ross the boss uh, said after the game that his ankle was fine. He could have come back on the field if they weren't already like doubling the opponent's score. Um, so we're expecting him to be up for this week. Um, so, so that's another one. Uh, the other only like major injury that I can think of was uh, in terms of our super coach was Angwin, who I think he rolled his ankle as well. Was that? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I, I didn't Should catch check the Giants up. game. Yeah. Um, uh, but he is also a test for this week, so um, that's indicating that it's uh, not as serious as we hope. And the fact that he's they're listing as a test, I hopefully to me means that they're considering like if he's right to go to still be in the side because we don't want another dead rookie on our teams. Uh, pissed we've got an, an, enough of those already, I think. Yeah, well, I'm sure they're alive and well. They're just you know not in their AFL team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm convinced that Constable's not alive and well. Oh, because- no, don't say that. Uh, well, I've been supporting him for the last like six weeks, so maybe if I go negative psychology, we'll get him in our teams. God, I mean, let's see how this <laughs> one plays out. <laughs> I, he's he's going to be what was that Gold Coast rookie that we had like six or seven years ago that like smashed it out? It was like a Josh someone. Oh, I can't remember, and he was like averaging a hundred over the first two weeks, and then never played another AFL game in his career. Yeah, it rings about. You know who like, I'm talking I, about. I know who you're yeah, talking yeah. about, but I can't remember the name. Yeah. That was a long time anyway, ago. Um, we usually start off with the rookies pistol. We'll get to those a little bit later. I, I think the main point that I want to touch on this week is we're seeing a lot of people, particularly in SAC, uh, get a little trigger happy with the midfield upgrade targets. Great. Um, so I just, <laughs> I just want to go through some of these names because um, I, I'm one of the people that had been like, waiting for Brayshaw to turn a corner and, and have a big game. And he's just he's just had that. So you would think he would be high on my radar this week. Um, but, you know, the, the next three weeks, he, he's got a fairly um, – a, a fairly uh, I, I think for him, he's, he can still score, but they've got Sydney, they've got Geelong, and then they've got Melbourne before their buys. It just feels like a really tough three weeks to bring him in um, before he gets that rest. Um but is he, is he one of those underpriced kind of premiums you're looking at or do you have like some overall thoughts on the players that we should be looking at to upgrade in our midfield? Yeah, well, there's a, a couple of good options. We're going to have to go through each one of them, I think, in a bit more detail because yep. they're the main discussion, I think, point of this podcast. But Brayshaw himself had said that he had knee soreness. That was a fortnight ago and it, it was the best he'd ever felt the week before last and he obviously scored particularly well and then came out this week. Will Brody dropped, uh, you know, Brayshaw as... I was going to say the leading man, Sarong was tagged uh, by Nash, but Brayshaw was full of life and did really well. But I just want to point out, he is a flat track bully, right? Like he had seven games above 130 last year against the you know bad clubs um, and not many good scores against the good clubs. Um, so that's kind of why I like him when he has a great run that he can capitalize on, but I don't love it when he has a really hard run, which you've already pointed out. Um, yeah. And I worry how he'll go over the next three weeks. And he's got that first buy as well. So that means that if he does do decently, I might have to pay 550K for him, but at least I'll feel a lot more comfortable picking up off his buy as well, a little bit more refreshed, hopefully, so he's not, you know, got a sore knee. Um, that might be the time to jump rather than now. But I say that all in one breath, Chizo, but I mean, you're looking at other options like uh, Jack Steele, for example, and how, how would you compare those two? Jack Steele, I've already talked about. Like, he still worries me considerably. Like, uh, I, I'm I'm going to be someone that if I'm getting Steele, I'm getting him after his buy just because 
I'm so concerned with that shoulder. Um, he's obviously able to play through it, but we even saw on the weekend, I think at half time, I want to say he was on around 30, maybe 35 or less. something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe may have been less than that. He had a, an epic second half to, to scrounge a 95, I think he scored. So um, he's one that definitely kind of I throw into this this little bracket of kind of the 120, uh, sorry, the 520 to 540 kind of bracket where we've got a, a bit of value there, some uh, premiums that have dropped in price and we're kind of waiting to snavel up. But I'm just not really seeing the light at the end of the tunnel for their performance. Like there's every chance that you get Brayshaw – and that 149 was his best score until it comes back after the bye um, with that tough run, as you've just said. And then Steele is the same thing. Um, I'm just not sure that he's going to – like he, of of those two, Steele is the one that's got the history of the 120 average. He's still getting 80% CBAs, but he's not able to put the points on the board like we have seen in the past. Um, and, and it just leaves me a little concerned that we could have another couple of weeks of him averaging 90, and it's just sort of a failed upgrade. I feel less concerned about his scoring potential than I still worry about his injury risk. I think yeah. even coming off the bye, that's not enough time for his shoulder to heal and withstand you know, all of the rigors of AFL, right? Like he, if yeah. he cops a knock, he's still going to be in trouble. Um, and I'd feel, I guess, a lot better with more data under the belt and if he's not scoring over the top well he's not going to really price me out either so I can mm. also look at him after the buy um, so I, I agree with the destination cheese or maybe just not the, the route um, in how we, we got there but I I think it's great sign seeing him get the 80% plus CBA I'm less concerned about his score against North Melbourne because it was a weird game. There was like he, it was really uncontested, like lots of marks, not many stoppages where he would excel. When the game was on the line in the third quarter, he like rocketed and he he was great. Um, but I I didn't get the feeling that he's going to drop. You know, I think was it was it two years ago the back half after the bye he went like one thirty every game for the whole season. Yeah, like it was like one thirty one or something to finish the year yeah. post bye. I don't think that's going to happen. Like I'm not super worried about it. So. I might just wait and reassess him after the buy, but um, happy, happy to get him. Well, not happy. I'm just. I, I think I'm overly cautious of his injury his history, particularly for me because I am low on trades because I have copped so many injuries at the beginning part of the season. So I don't have the trades to deal with. And as you had mentioned earlier, you were worried about Marshall wrecking your trade plans, but yeah. I don't have a boost. So if Marshall was out. I can't upgrade at all. I have to sideways him and downgrade somewhere else. Um, yep, yep, yep. So, you know, I'm a Jack Steele injury away from being <laughs> not just an injured, another trade down, but then I'm starting to like lose ground on people because they're upgrading and I can't. So the injury risk, I feel very threatened and worried and concerned yeah. by it at the moment. So if you're in a situation like me, I think that's something, another a factor that you've got to consider when you're you're looking at your trades um, at this stage yeah. of the season. Do, do you think that you're concerned about Steele's... Like, he's obviously playing AFL football. Do you think yeah. that he, we, we are a little bit... We're overly cautious on it? Like, we, we're putting too much emphasis on the fact that he's had a recent injury, but clearly he wouldn't be playing right now if it, if it yeah. was hampering him to a massive extent. I mean, we physically saw the bone detached from his body. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, like, I get that I'm seeing him play AFL, but I also saw the medical report and it, it wasn't attached. Like, it was off. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think, like, we're over-exaggerating how bad his injury was because we, we were able to physically see it. Like, it was bad, bad. Um, and yeah. he returned really quick. So I don't know if it's a, maybe – we're being overly cautious, but I, I do think that's with good reason. I don't think it's a, not a justified caution, if that makes sense, Chizo. But I'm sure, look, even if he doesn't get injured and people are trading in, he plays every game for the rest of the season, he does his thing and averages 115, um, I probably wouldn't let it get to the stage where I don't trade him in You know, after five weeks of him mm. scoring 115 plus. I'd probably just bite the bullet and trade him in then. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to let it get to that stage, but I'm just two games back. I'm still, I'm still in my scared stage, especially when there's other <laughs> midfield options that we're 
I mean, we're in the midst yeah. of discussing well, that you could get well, instead. Yeah, well, let's talk about another one that's basically the same price. You've got Callum Mills at $523K, $100. Uh, he's down $119,300 from his starting price. Obviously, a different role than what he played last year. However, we saw on the weekend he got a return to the CBAs. James Rowbottom stunningly went down from the 70%, and I, I think it was um, our rain dance uh, either this week or last week or the week before. He was down to 26%. Callum Mills was back up into the 60s. Um, and also Goulden went to zero, but that's a completely side note. Um, but Mills is one of those guys that we've kind of been saying as well, sort of along the lines with Brayshaw, that once he turns a corner and that role, uh, in, in case of Mills, once that role it becomes what we wanted, he's got to be one that we look look out for. He's had three games so far um, this year where he's gone above 40% CBAs, I believe. So he played round Round three, three, he had sixty nine percent. He went one hundred three, nice, and then, uh, which is nice. Then he went round seven and round <laughs> eight. He was a, he was forty seven and sixty three percent. He's gone eighty and a hundred. Um, I, I'm really like I, I feel like if if we see another two three weeks of that role continuing, that would lead me to be a little bit more confident that it's going to continue for the rest of the year. But unfortunately, it just seems to be like the games that that, that he hasn't played. In the midfield, or he's he's had less than forty percent. Was against Gold Coast, uh, Hawthorne. He played zero uh, percent against Richmond, ten percent against Geelong, twenty seven percent against Port. And the games that he's gone above were sixty nine percent against the D's, forty seven percent against GWS in that really tight game, and sixty three percent against Collingwood again when they're they're playing a really good team. Like it sort of feels like if he has a run of weak competition he's not going to be a CBA mid. And that that's the thing that scares me off him. Because, you know, of, the, of these three guys, I think he's probably got the one with the best upside this year. He's got a low score of 87. So he's, he and he's only averaging 97. So he's not had a terrible, terrible year. Sorry, he's got a low of 80 uh, pistol. But it, like, I just feel like when he turns a corner, he's going to be the one that everyone wants. Yeah. Um, but even with the 60% CBAs, I'm just not seeing it translate yet. All great points, Chizo. I think this game in particular against Collingwood is a really hard one to judge, and that's because yeah. they it was a it was a, a tactical masterpiece. I think maybe I'm I'm being over the top, exaggerating. Hyperbole, um, I yeah, believe, is the word you're looking for. I was on the tip of my tongue <laughs> between Collingwood and Swans. I mean, for context. For people that haven't been paying attention to these two teams specifically, Collingwood has been playing a game where it's very fast-paced, out of the middle. You scramble it forward. You get you get it forward basically at all costs. You have high pressure, um, cause turnovers, you know, and that's the way of, of scoring. Swans came into the game and they were like, we're going to play a complete counter-attack, like opposite gameplay to Collingwood. We're going to play high possession football, high chip kicking and marking football. We're not even going to let it get to a contest so Collingwood can't scramble it forward. We're going to kick it around and just basically try and move the ball with foot skills through the midfield. And how we're going to do that essentially is by getting it into our best ball user's hands in Goulden and we're going to get him to do half of the kicking. So what ended up happening was like on the Collingwood um, transition like we basically our, our far side winger would end up um, rolling back and Goulden would just kind of stay there so he would not be playing on anybody for large portions of the game so he they kept using him and that's why he racked up so many marks so that they could use him to like tactically move the ball forward avoiding contests so that Collingwood didn't get that upper hand and try and scramble it forward so this game ended up with like ridiculous stats where Swans had 120 uncontested marks when from round I think four, five, six, and seven, they averaged like 70. So they nearly doubled their uncontested marks. Their possessions were through the roof. They had like yeah. 420 instead of like 330. Um, obviously, when you mark the ball more, you're going to kick the ball more. So their stats of their players were all like crazy high. I mean, Mills had 31 touches and nine marks and you're like wow that sounds amazing you must have had a big score and you see 100 flat and you get disappointed yeah, yeah. and I'm like well Parker had 34 touches Goulden had 37 and 13 marks even Florent had 29 touches and 11 marks Warner yeah. had 28 like they all had big numbers so they ate up part of the Supercoach 
like they were eating each other's supercoach pie and that's why it's like not like Mills had a big game in comparison to his fellow Swans. Yeah, yeah, sure. He, he was just he, a, he was just overwhelmed by the the weighted numbers um and there was no like kind of room for scaling or anything like that. Well, pretty much. And he just like, he wasn't like, you know, the best midfielder for them. I don't think he was in the top two midfielders for them. He was the third best midfielder for them against Collingwood. Um, yeah. And that's why he scored 100. Like he, he wasn't going to score 150. Uh, he wasn't going to score 130. Like he, he was just the third best. And I don't think that that's a game style that they can play against every club. So I think it's... Yeah. It's hard to say, oh, Mills got 31 touches and he got nine marks for his back and I have to get him desperately. I think that was a game against Collingwood. Let's see how they go against Fremantle next week. I mean, probably not a great example because Fremantle try and chip it around as well. So maybe Swans will try and do it. I'm not sure what will happen, but I don't think you need to go early on Mills because it is possible that it just he gets 40% CBAs next week and they throw row bottom back in to try and win more of the contests uh, in the the midfield this week. And it was just a Collingwood matchup type yeah. game. And and with a break even that's still, you know, 119 or so, he's not really going to price you out. But I totally agree that if we see like two more weeks of Mills getting 60 plus percent CBAs, he can yeah. he can average 120 with, with 60% CBAs. So then oh, he's the number yep. one guy that I want to get if that's the case. I'm just... Still gun shy. If I'm, I mean, if I'm picking a guy this week, then sure, I guess, and that's my price range. I probably, I probably go for him and, and risk it. But you're, you're, it's a punt. Like this is, you're paying a premium. You're, you're buying a premium midfielder and you're punting, which doesn't sound super appealing at this stage of the season when there's, even though the cash is drying up, it's not like this is your M8 and you're like, oh, roll the yeah. dice and just go for this guy. He might break out. Like this is somebody that's hopefully going to be an anchor of your team moving forward. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not my favorite pick of the rounds, um, but let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah, so we've talked about Brayshaw, Steele and Mills, and they've all got their downsides. As much as we wish that we could we could pick a 110, 115 midfielder for priced in like the, the, the low hundreds. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about some guys that do get you exciting. Uh, we'll talk about <laughs> the Essendon boys because uh, I'm running the podcast and I want to talk about my boys, Parrish and Zerat. Um, you've mentioned on a previous podcast that post-buy, I think they play, is it Hawthorne? No, they play Eagles and North twice. So four of their games post-buy yeah. um, are good scores for both of them. Uh, I've And I've said this before, I can't really differentiate between Zerat and Parrish, so I would just pick the cheaper one. What are your thoughts on, on both of those? I'll throw them both to you in one go because it's hard to differentiate between them. Super hard. I mean, I've, I've always got a soft spot for Zach Merritt because he always ends up in my team after the buy and he pretty much averages like 120 on the run home every year after the buy. So. Yeah. I, I definitely have a soft spot for him. I, it's hard to differentiate them because one, they're both good, and two, they both score well, but they do it in different ways. Um, yeah. Mer- Merritt is more of a you know he will tackle and take marks uncontested and accumulate. As well. and, and, yep, yep. But Parrish is just pure contested ball winner. I'm going to get 40 touches a game and I'm going to score 130. If there's scaling on the line and it's a tight game, maybe I'll be able to get a 160. Um, but, you know, on the off chance, he, he has 20, 21 touches. You know, he, I don't know why I said chose 21, but he ends up with like an 80 score, whereas Zeret from 21 touches can still turn up because he just does so yeah. many of the other things. Yeah, um, yeah. So I always like Merritt a little bit more, but there is a price difference which you have to factor in. It's minimal. Um, yeah, 15K, I think it is, or 14, 14,000, something like that. Yeah, and if that's enough that that means a lot to you and you prefer to get Parrish, then obviously go for it. The cheaper one is probably the better one in this case. I, I think if I had to choose and I had the money for both and I was looking at shopping in that price range, I think I, I would lean Zerit, but... It's hard to say that going into a Brisbane matchup where he might cop some attention this week, but I, I would love to have one of these Essendon boys for the run home because I think yeah. they're gonna they're gonna do well. So I'm, yeah. I'm they're my if I'm shopping in that price price range. I know it's fifty k more, but I think it'll be for that for that certainty of having an anchor in your side. I feel a lot better paying that fifty k. Yeah, and I think that's the difference between the likes of Parish and say someone like Steele or Brayshaw, I think these guys have like 
have had one decent 120-plus score that has stopped their price from going sub 500K, whereas Parrish has just sort of really gradually just trickled down from 600 to start the year, averaging 107 as opposed to his 110-plus that he had um, previously. Um, so it's less that... It, it, uh, it's less that, that Parrish has like is clearly a better player. I just feel like his year has been more consistent and there's yeah. less question marks. And you're purchasing that for as little as 30K. Um, I, Sounds I good when you say it like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, which I think I think is the um, the the main point for me. Uh, and, and like he's he's been reasonably decent. Like his last five weeks have been uh, 98, 108, 110, 108, 117. Sorry. So he's not like absolutely blowing players out of the water and he's yeah. a uber unique that you have to get your hands on. But uh, for me, he's sitting at M5 before I do any upgrades. If I got a midfielder this week, um, they'd be like M6. So he, he's certainly, as you say, an anchor that is sitting in the middle of my team that I'm, I'm certainly pretty happy with. Yeah. Uh, I guess the I guess the question is that we're now kind of moving from that 520 to 540 bracket. We've moved up to the 575, 80. Um, I, I guess the players that we feel a little bit more comfortable with that you might be looking at would be an Oliver and a Neil, uh, which have come down in price, and even the breakout of uh, of Nora Anderson are, are three guys that you'd feel even safer getting. Yeah, so it's good points, Jeez. I think Anderson is obviously dominating while Took Miller is unavailable with his yeah. injury. I say with a tear in my eye is my boost, <laughs> my boost of him in and my boost of him out has wrecked me. <laughs> too um, No, I try to make no, – no, keep going. It's not too bad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't mind the cheese. Um, so I, I would feel that knowing that Tuke is going to come back into the side, I, I don't love buying Anderson above 600K when there's like a asterisk next to his name. Like yeah. he'll score yep. really well for now. But I think if you want to buy him, it was probably last week. Um, yeah. I don't I don't love her paying six hundred K for a guy it, that it's I might the price. Have to trade out later. Yeah. It's the price. It's not it's not genuinely it's not the output. So yeah, that's if we're right. looking if we're looking at his this is his games with with Took. Um Took didn't miss a game to start the year. No, he didn't. He did. So he went ninety three, ninety one, seventy one, one thirty four, one oh nine, eighty nine. And then without Took he's gone one forty four, one eighty nine as yeah. like their made their made midfielder. He's he's jumped from averaging around the 0.9 to 1.0 points per minute to 1.4 and 1.7, which are, are just – they're not sustainable long-term. No. But he will score without Took there. Yeah, and and he's got a great buy, so I see the appeal as well yeah. um, yep. in, in getting him. But I just think if you're paying that price as well, like if you don't have one of the big guns, you know, like an Oliver, like just get Oliver. If you're already going yeah. up in that price range, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Oliver's got a break even of 99. They know he might get the Nash tag, but he was tagged last week and got 130. So uh, Oliver's not a tag risk, in my opinion. Like uh, we, <laughs> for the last the last five years, he's proven that his tags are a 105 instead of a a, a successful tag is a 105 instead of 155. Yeah, that's right. And as a non-owner of Oliver, I feel pretty lucky that we're eight. Game, well, we're going into eight games in, and he has only had one hundred and fifty score. Yeah, like, I'd, I'd be cutting my losses and running right now. Um, this is this is where, if you have the money, and we'll talk about upgrade cadence a little bit later. But I'd be looking at just solidifying. All right, well, he's averaged one twenty six and hasn't caused me too much damage, and now I'll lock him in, and those players that have him will stop gaining some ground on me and he's clearly one of the best vice captaincy options or captaincy options available and we'll just um take it from here before he you know potentially goes back up to 700k in the next couple of weeks yeah I, I guess the question becomes like if you're shopping in the the 605 i think he is yeah so 605 to kind of 620 range you've got the noah anderson's crips in there um, Josh Kelly, even at, at 584, kind of falls within the Merritt and Parish bracket that we just talked about. Um, and then very, very soon after that, you've got uh, Petrarca and Oliver at 650. Like, I think if you're if you're not going in the 560 kind of Parish Zerat range and you're looking for absolute breakout and you're going past 600, 
you really are looking at trying to get Oliver, aren't you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And um, I, I think Petrarca is good as well if you, I mean, not instead of Oliver, but in addition to Oliver, he's yeah, also good. Yeah. Uh, do you, uh, what's your update on the, the DPP status for, for Petrarca? I, I feel like it's getting less and less likely. Yeah, I think uh, Maeve came out so you can can check it out at Code Sports, but the uh, it's it's trending away from the thirty five percent mark that he needed. So I'm not exactly sure if he's going to end up with it. Although Gorn is looking better every by the week, and and Walsh is holding steady just across the threshold, but he's a a week by week discussion point because in yeah. his current role, he's not looking like he's going to be you know, an extremely 120 damaging sort of midfielder and you're paying 615k for him at the moment. I'm not sure yeah. it's worth taking that risk of him. He, he's still right scoring now. well, but what you're talking about is is the eye test. You're, you're watching the game, seeing that he's spending a, like a fair chunk of time across the forward line, like starting at half forward and stuff like that, and that that's something that's jumping out at you. Well, if he, he's starting at half forward and running into the contest, but he just misses those opportunities to get those, I guess I'd say cheap ball, but it's definitely not cheap ball, around the, the middle. Um, you know, when Cripps wins the, the clearance and handballs out to Walsh, and Walsh gets the bomb at long, like happens, you know, less often because he's not there. Um, he can't just teleport into the middle. I mean, he tries, but he, he can't do everything. Um, but I see his role that if he misses forward DPP and he keeps this role for the rest of the season, like it's not a good role for Walsh. Like yeah. he, he, he might be good enough and talented enough that he goes 110, but but that that's not great for paying above yeah. 600K. Mate, I, 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 talking about paying around 600K for a midfielder, I've got Lockie Neal at... 594. He played north in round five and had his customary 176 against a poor team. Yeah. I want you to have a guess at what his season average is if we take out that that flat track beat up. Oh, jeez. If I'm going to take a complete stab at it off the top of my head, probably like 100. It's double digits. Really? It's not three, it's not three figures. It's 96.7. Wow, that's that's really low. That's shocking, right? So are you getting him? <laughs> well, it's one of those ones that, like, again, we're kind of saying you're looking you're looking for security over the likes of Steele, Mills, and Brayshaw that have their their issues, and you just think, oh, Lockie Neal's cheap, but has the addition of you know Dunkley and Ashcroft influenced his ability to consistently put out these 120-plus scores. He said, these are his scores for the years. He had 95, 100, 117, 102, 176, 76, 124, 63. I mean, if I had to take a punt on anybody at my M8, and these are the types of play, like I would rather take it on Neil, given yeah. his upside, um, than, than go for like a, a rando. But yeah. he... Does well at the Gabba. He's yet to sub-ton at the Gabba. Does play his next two games there. Does like yeah. playing Essendon as well. Um, I don't know if he's going to lose as much money as we're hoping. He might just hold kind of steady at the you know, 580, 590 mark. But it's an interesting one to discuss whether he's worth getting or not. But he's got the round 12 buy, so I think I might wait for it then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I guess... Um you know, just as you're saying, like I was sort of leading down the path of maybe we stick clear of Lockie Neal for a little bit until we get a bit more of a, a bearing on what his season's going to turn out like because we, we can't sign up for 176, 76, 124, yeah. 63. They're, like you, you can't pay 600K for something. Like, if I wanted like scoring that could fluctuate like that, I'd just pick Brayshaw. <laughs> save, save myself 60K. Yeah. No, it's a fair call. It's a fair call. Um yeah, that that is shockingly poor scores from Neil, but we'll we'll see what happens in the the next part of the year, Chiso. Yeah. Now the last thing I want to touch on in terms of mid One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping 
and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Field upgrades, but this applies to the remainder of your team, with it, wherever you are upgrading. Is it sort of about now, Pistol, um, and this sort of links into our, our rookie discussion, upgrade cadence and cash drying up, stuff like that. These upgrades right now matter for your buyers. Um, I, I think it's extremely important when you're splitting hairs between players that you're also taking that in consideration. Um, a lot of people last week, particularly in Team Chizo, were, were talking about Sicily versus Sinclair, and it literally came down to which guy fitted their buyers better is how they separated them because they, they were finding positives and negatives uh, for both of them. So um, I, I feel like that's one of the attractions for, for Anderson as well as uh, on top of his scoring. But yeah. I, don't think, I don't think you should pay a premium for a premium at, uh, just because they've got that buy. I think you should be able to navigate um, the remainder of the buys correctly as long as you've structured your upgrades correctly. If, you, if you've loaded up on, on Walsh and Bont and people are looking at Baz Smith this week, your round 15 is just going to be so cooked um, that it's like a well-done steak. Absolutely. Um, it's definitely important to take into consideration. I chose Sinclair over Sicily purely on buys, um, which sounds good after week one, but Sinclair's role, you know, 60-plus percent CBA is yeah. not ideal at all. So It's the role you literally don't sign up to get Sinclair for. Yeah, that's right. I, I might, if that's going to continue, I might prefer Sicily for the rest of the season. I think he's what, his worst game in like three years, um, yeah. super coach-wise, so... Yeah, I uh, well, I guess that's that's one for another podcast. I think Chizo. Yeah. All right, mate. We're, the next section uh, is going to be on the rookie quality coming up. We're all looking to kind of downgrade and start getting these boosts going and get that upgrade cadence that we always talk about. Um, but pistol, the 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 rookie quality that we've sort of run into right at this very moment, I won't say it's dire, but it's not necessarily looking great, is it? It's dire. <laughs> okay, all right, you're going there. All right, have balls in your court, tear them apart. No, look, I would love that to wasn't, sit that here. Was, that wasn't a question. You don't get to discuss this. Yeah, okay. This is the host okay. host chair decides. <laughs> I would love <laughs> to say this is the rookie to get this week and that yeah. just be how I'd start this conversation. But all of them have huge asterisks, question marks, whatever you want to call it, um, of unknown uh, quantities and it makes life very difficult when trying to choose a downgrade target. But particularly, as you said, some of these guys might even last us all the way to the buys, and then I got to try and factor that in to our decisions as well. So I think it might be worthwhile just talking through some of the pros and cons, I guess, of of all of the rookies, and then you listening right there, yes, you can decide on which one you want to bring in as what sounds best to you because it's. Very much uh, an even playing field. Uh, I've, I think I know which way I would lean, but I'm not as confident as I would in uh, other weeks. But geez, I think we might start from the top. We've got uh, mm. we've got Rory Atkins, um, just over 200k defensive mid, Gold Coast. So goodbye. Um, and he's put out two semi decent scores. Um, have you managed to watch any of his games this year? I've watched it and then I was still – I haven't seen him in the AFL for so long that I forgot what he looked like. <laughs> I, I don't think I've seen him in Gold Coast colours. Like I genuinely just remember Rory Atkins as an Adelaide Crows player. <laughs> well, essentially with, with Weller out, I know he was kind of got shifted to the wing, but just with the, the reshuffle of how, how it's worked out, Atkins has kind of played either halfback or defensive wing um, running yeah. there. So he's been able to get quite a few marks Um and therefore, quite a few kicks. I think he took five kickouts last week as well. Yeah, um, which yeah. was a which was a bit of a bonus. But eye test wise, I think he's been decent, like pretty good. He hasn't scored like he scored sixty eight this week for Super Coach. And I think um, whilst his first half wasn't great, his second half I thought was very good. He did he did what you had to do in the AFL when the ball when your your 
the ball's coming in thick and fast from Melbourne. It's a tight game, and he has to he gets his hands on the ball and he bombs it out, you know, forty meters towards the boundary line um, around the fifty meter arc, and you know it's a, it's a turnover or whatever. But that's kind of the right AFL kick to to do. Um, yeah. But it's bad for Supercoach, and he did that a couple of times. So he was, you know, his points growth were stunted by these turnovers and positioning kicks. But I think it was still like the right team thing to do in that. So yeah, it's, hard, yeah. it's hard to judge him. I know people were like, oh, he, he kicked it terribly, he had this low disposal efficiency. I'm like, yeah, but context of the game is important. Um, so I thought he looked quite decent. And the thing with him is that he's got West Coast this week and it, he's got a break even of negative 42. So a 63 is going to make him almost 50K just off one price rise. So yeah. You need a, you're buying him at least for one week. You're hoping to get two. If you get three, that's like amazing. You're going to win the, win the trade for sure. Um, and anything more than that is like a massive, massive bonus. And Holman currently is in a moon boot because he's got turf toe and they're hoping that he's going to play. And even if he comes in, it's probably at the expense of Tom Berry. It's not even yeah. expense for him. You've got Ainsworth who's struggling with injury at the moment and he's not necessarily going to play this week. And I think potentially could displace somebody like Davies in the side and they yeah, can do a yeah. bit of a, a, a restructure. And then you have Weller who um, is probably the biggest threat to Atkins, but Weller just had more discomfort in the knee that he did his ACL in. So I, I think we don't we don't have a timeline. I doubt he's, he's not going to play this week if he's got discomfort in his knee, right? So it's one of those ones where that could linger. Like that mm. might be one week, it might be four weeks. It's too hard to know, but... If you're getting three weeks out of Atkins, you're making 100K. Um, yeah. If you get two weeks out of him, you're making 75, 80K. So it's just, is that better than the other potential options? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. Maybe. It might be. And you have to pay up more and it might impact your upgrade cadence. Um, yeah. But that's the pros and the cons there. Um, for, he, he, for also, he also led the match for meters gained as well with uh, 637. Like he was... Far and away, the most aggressive forward yeah. mover of the ball. It was bombing it long. You know, they were under yeah. pressure, so he he was yeah. getting it forward. That's, I mean, that just supports kind of what I what I saw. Um, I think you've got some other options that are available. Um, I think well, the big one that everyone's talking about is Drury. Everyone wants to go a week early on on Drury, and I look. I thought it was fine, but it's not. It's not like he's an absolute desperate trade in from what I saw. Absolutely not. Um, I that pause really scared me. I thought you were going to roast me. Then no, I was having difficulty swallowing. <laughs> <laughs> basically, um, Drury. I went early on Wagner once upon a time earlier in the season in a desperate <laughs> attempt to be able in a desperate attempt to be able to and then got rocked to the avoid, core when he didn't get picked. I who was I trying to avoid? Somebody. Um, Anyway, it was for one of my upgrades to be able to afford him. Um, so I had to go early and he didn't make it past two games and he still sits on my bench. Um, mm. I'll let that be a lesson to, to those that have gone early on a rookie. We saw Drury, um, I thought he was good up until halftime. Lots of good yep. efforts, really solid. And then after halftime, I think he got touch a ball like four times or something. He just kind of didn't really get amongst it. Um, he was far from the worst for North Melbourne. I yeah, yeah. think he'll get picked this week. I think in the preseason, he was a little bit of uh, Clarko's love child. They kept calling him in the preseason. So that should hold him in some good stead. But I, there's every chance he's terrible this week and then just gets dropped and then that's it. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I feel uncomfortable going early, but I guess if it's the only way for you to upgrade and you don't have many other dead rookies on your bench or you're getting rid of like a Cowan, for example, and you want to withdraw the 100K from an already dead rookie. Um, I can see that if that that extra money is worth it to you, but I just want to put an asterisk next to it that I don't recommend it um, Yeah, this week, Chizo, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, do you get any clarification on his role? He was named at half back at the expense of Sheasel and Siebel named in the forward line. Just a little bit of fun with the magnets. Um, but he played 
sort of like a high half forward, right? I wasn't yeah. like a, I wasn't, it wasn't a small forward. No, it wasn't kind of a small forward. It was high half forward. Yeah, he was ro- so, roaming around the fifty meter arc, kicking it. He had um, some kicks inside fifty. I mean, it's just that's a not a easy job to try and kick it to a the North Melbourne key forwards. Yeah, uh, yeah, barely exist. Um, but yeah, and. Potentially, it didn't help that there were so many behinds as well. If people kick straight and maybe some goal assists, you know. But 51 is a decent score for a 102K player. Like, if yeah, he's yeah. going to do that for a couple of weeks, you know, he gets to 200K, you made 100K, that's great. Um, yeah. It's easy, it's easy to make, it's much, much easier to make 100K when, you're, when you start at 102K. But, yeah. Geez, so there's a couple of other options that I think. Are everyone that owns discussion. Liam Jones is uh, really like they're nodding your head at, at, at that statement there, mate. <laughs> Uh, uh, the, ne- sure. the next one, uh, we've got the Weedle uh, from Hawthorne down back. Um, I guess everyone's sort of overlooking him for Drury. Are they? I'm assuming, uh, look, they really are. Like particularly that I'm seeing in Slack is everyone's going a week early on Drury or, or at least trying like putting in Rate My Trades, doing that. And there's been very little mention um, of players looking to bring in Weedle this week. Boy, I'm really going to blow some people's minds on the next couple of rookies to talk about but yeah Weddle I thought Weddle played pretty well um I think the problem I have with any Hawthorne defender is that there are just so many Hawthorne defenders Chizo they have like yeah. a million on their list so it's technically like a ro- revolving door I mean CJ was like managed this week and I would expect CJ to come in and I don't know if they're they're gonna uh, drop Fergus Green to play Scrimshaw forward to fit CJ in, and then what happens? Like they also have, um, you know, Blanc and um, DJB. I don't know. I'm putting on accents for some reason, um, <laughs> name pronunciations, but they're in the VFL that could come in at any stage as well. There's just a lot going on uh, down back for Hawthorne, so it's one of those rookies where they need to play well to keep their spot, but also yeah. him playing well doesn't mean you know, 60-plus scores. Because of his, you know, positioning, um, playing more as a, I guess, it's weird. He played in the preseason on the wing and he played more of like a key defender kind of um, mm, mm. this week. But he he scored 54 and he played well. I don't know if he's going to play much better than that. Um, I think that's kind of what he can do. And I don't know yeah. if that's going to make, that might get him to 200K, he might make 70K. It doesn't sound massively appealing, but at least he's, going to be named this week well he should be named because he, he played quite well um so yeah if you fancy picking somebody who needs to play well to keep their spot technically could remain in for the entire rest of the season also might be dropped after next week then where else you go <laughs> yeah and then hey maybe you've made 20k off him it's, it's possible i mean it's better than wagner <laughs> that's true um uh, the next one is sort of going underneath the radar from the Cats. He's played three games, but he's had a couple of the su- uh, as a sub, and that's Nevitt. Um, he, he obviously scored, what did he score, 60 or 70 or something on the weekend? Yeah, 72. He, he, yeah, he's now presenting himself as a, a potential trading option um, that people probably haven't paid as much attention to now that he's getting like a full game. And, yeah. and Danger Danger's now confirmed out for three weeks or two to three weeks as well. Yeah, never underestimate him. Um, he has. Pre- did you say never to underestimate him? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, he has. Thanks for the response. I appreciate it. Um, he. <laughs> That's how you write back in all your emails. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, he has. I guess the job security issues that some others might have, but there's also injuries that the cats, you know, Stengel's out for a couple of weeks still. Dangerfield, as you just said, is out for two to three weeks. Um, I think Rowan has got some soreness and issues with his injury. So um, Guthrie's still injured. I mean, their injury list is starting to stack up. I think Close has got suspended yeah, he has, um, yeah. for a week. So Nevitt's playing. Um, next mm. week, and he's still he has a break even of minus twenty five. Um, I mean, I'm not expecting him to score seventy twos, but that's better ceiling than you know half of the other rookies. Um, yeah. But you know, you need to pay one hundred and sixty four k for him. It's more. This is one of those picks where it's kind of like Chandler at the beginning of the season, where technically, if everyone comes back, he'd be dropped. But everyone just kind of got injured and then the people that were injured stayed injured or copped another injury and eventually just 
they worked their way into the side because they had enough time, enough good form that they ended up could stay in the side and, and never will get at least one week to yeah. try and hold his spot. Um, but in a similar f- vein to, to Weddle, I guess, is he could work his way in and people might remain injured for longer periods of time and he just stays in the side or he's really bad next week and he goes up for close. (laughs) (laughs) So you got to kind of pick your poison um, between all these players and he is a little bit more expensive than Weddle. He has a better buy if he manages to play through them, but I'm not sure we can count on that. Um, Otherwise, that's been a massive victory. Um, But he definitely is somebody that should be considered that hasn't really been considered I think unfairly just because of his starting price when everyone's bad so everyone should be talked about he's completely gone under the radar as well like he's just not a name that you're looking out for on the rookie list particularly coming off two sub games like there's no reason to have paid any attention to him like if he'd scored 40 from his his game last week I doubt we'd be saying anything about him yeah yeah never had I ever heard of him before Okay. Um, the the okay. The thing with Nevitt for me is that like he's probably gonna make similar cash to Weddle, but you're spending an extra thirty five k. Like yeah. that, that's that that that's the difference that you've got to weigh up. I, I think they're almost entirely the same. And these guys like the Drury, like Atkins, is probably the only one we've mentioned that has any say, like any reason to be played on field like if you have to depending on what your trades have been like he he's gone um around the 70 mark to to in his first two games and he's taking kick-ins as well he took five and against on west weekend. coast this week against west coast this week like there's every reason that he could be an on-field option but drury's not uh weedle's not never re- i don't really think he is um and then the next player that we're throwing the, like into the ring is chesser <laughs> he's come back from injury, like he's been on the fringe. A lot of us still have him on our bench because we didn't want to touch him. Some of us might be looking to move him in. He's got that DPP. I, I'm hoping you can make a case for him. I feel like Chester's just the guy at the party that's like, he came in at the beginning of the party, he went out to go get the pizzas, and then he's come back <laughs> and just like everything's on fire. <laughs> uh, well, that's that community episode. Yeah. That's exactly what Chess has done. He's like back now. The rookie, like there's just a mountain of injuries. This is the darkest timeline. He's pretty much just like, what have I walked into? And he's just going to be <laughs> played for the the pure reason that West Coast don't have enough players on their list to be able to play. And given he was such a highly touted junior it would be a travesty when they only have like one available player that's not, I think, listed on their emergencies every week mm. for him to be that player. That just seems absurd, right? And yeah. I know his scoring potential is poor. And when I say poor, I mean he didn't make Terrible. Us, like, he didn't make us any money earlier in the season. Um, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. He made 8.2K. Yeah, he made us 8.2K. With a 20, a 27, and a 42. But the thing is, if he's going to get game time, all it takes either is one good game over 60s or back-to-back like 50s, and he might make it up to 200K and he might make you 70K, and at least his job security seems better than the other guys. He's got DPP if if not, which is always particularly handy. Um, And I think... I mean, look, if you're play- if he's playing through the buyers and he scores 20, he's not really going to be in your best 18. But if you're facing a donut, that's 20 more points than you were going to have before the Trusted trade-in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, he was in 40% of teams in round three. I, I, I can't figure it out. He's in 26% of teams now. So um, there's still quite a few people that are holding him. So he might be a, um, a last-minute addition to come and save us during the buyers, but... If he's named Chizo, I think yep. I like him the best. But that's a hot. I don't think potentially a hot take yeah. because they're all anyone could be good or bad. Yeah. I guess. I guess the other thing to mention is there's a whole bunch of two day two game players that could come back. Obviously Charlie Constable, but then there's Corey Wagner who's been playing fine in the the reserves, but not amazing. Thanks. For uh, that. Uh, Trying to fill you with confidence. Uh, obviously, <laughs> Ned Long. Who else we got? Um, 
Oh, you can also look at Arthur Jones' pistol. He's been he's played pretty much every game this year and has made forty k. <laughs> I mean, he's got job security as well. It's worth. Yep. he's got the round fifteen buy though, so. <laughs> Uh, Extra rounds to make another 40K. Uh, Ollie Lord um, for Port is also another one. So there's there's a couple players that could end up getting named that are sort of basement price that you've got to keep an eye on, but um, really starting to to scrape the bottom of the barrel. And that sort of moves us into quite naturally into the upgrade cadence pistol is that we've been harping on that the last few weeks while we've had options. But now the options are drying up. What's your perception on what we should do with the upgrade cadences? Yeah, like I think I was talking to you before about the trades that I plan to do this week, and I said, oh, I'd have 70 or 80K in the bank. And you're like, to do what with? Like, you're not going to be upgrading and downgrading for like another two or three weeks as we wait for the Chincotters and the Simpsons to make money. So you might as well get the best premium you can. And I was like, you know, that makes a lot of sense. But does that, is that sort of our way of saying that, hey, this upgrade cadence is going to stop at the station and, and wait to pick up new passages by round 11? Yeah. So really it's up to your individual team. I can't really tell each person like when to start and stop upgrading, but if you're looking yeah. at your bench and you have a plan, and this is the like almost the most important time to plan for the whole season, you're like, hey, if I make an upgrade now and I get a Zeret over an Oliver, or Parish, let's say, over an Oliver. I don't know why. That didn't make any difference to my hypothetical. <laughs> <laughs> made zero difference. Let's say I'm getting Parish over Oliver, and that extra 100K lets me do an upgrade next week, and I can grab Sicily for cheap. And, yep. you know, now I've got two premiums and it's kept my upgrade cadence. Then that makes sense for me to get the Parish in this first week. But if I'm looking at my team and I say, hey, I have almost no cash generation, which I am looking at my team, and I can get Parish in 100K in my bank, but I literally can't trade anybody in my team. Like the 100K doesn't get me anywhere. Then yeah, I'm not I'm not upgrading next week. And yeah, I'm going to have yeah. to upgrade the week after. So I may as well get the better player now so I get points on the field for the next two weeks of better, yeah. better points. And then hopefully, as usually it does in super coaches, you get in the fortnight or whatever, when you've got your, your two players are topping out at the same stage and then you can do the one up, one down and you can figure it out that way. I mean, I feel like a lot of people that have Liam Stocker who just got 103 and kind of reset his break even. Um, you're not going to trade him this week because he's got a low break even. So you need to factor that in. You're probably not going to trade him next week either because that 103 is in his rolling average. You're probably only trading Stocker in two weeks' time. Um, and that might align well with somebody like I don't know Chandler or Hopper um, yeah and so you it's just really important to tr- to plan your trades I think Ashcroft is somebody that we could consider a, a kind of a hoverer Chizo he's got a really good run and I know that that 115 will come out of his um, sorry did you say Tom Hawkins really good run coming up <laughs> No, I did definitely did not. Will Ashcroft, <laughs> who's who's that? Well, that one fifteen squad is going to come out of his rolling average, um, and he will potentially drop a little bit of cash. But he's also a decent on-field scorer, and you can hold him for a couple of weeks, um, and then you end up um, being able to time it well with another guy in your side that is also peaking in price, and then you can kind of like get rid of both of them at the same time, or if you want to just trade him now, you can also just trade him now. Um, you know, both both options are good options. Um, it's just really important to look at the timing of your rookies and when you can cull them. I think like JVR is missing two weeks, so he's not going to drop in price. So you can really pick and choose. And honestly, you might look at these sets of rookies and think, you know what? None of these rookies are good. I don't want any of these guys. So I'm not going to trade this week. And yeah. I'm going to get yep. jewelry next week. Um, yeah. And the difference, I guess... It's slightly worse to do that than this week because the other people get an extra week of a premium score on you. But then next week you're back to square and you might have saved yourself a trade because they've gambled on rookies that get dropped after one week and you've got a rookie with better job security. Um, yeah. It's just worthwhile planning out your next couple of weeks of trades um, to make sure to see when your or if your upgrade cadence is going to stop and plan around it. I think a lot of us are yeah. in that situation where we don't have three weeks worth of upgrades in a row left. 
So yeah. if you're upgrading in only two of the three or one of the three, um, you might want to plan if it's if it's now this week when you're doing your upgrade, or if it's next week or the, or the week after. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Like, I, as you mentioned, like planning ahead. Like I've planned until like what my trades might look like until the buys, and just like you say, like if Hopper has another good week this week. I put it this way, so I'm going to make it really simple. If you've got a hundred k left over, and you want to do an upgrade next week, and you've already got Drury, like you've got really no one to sort of go down to. Like Tom Berry and Harry Sharp are the other first game players for the year, and neither of them are really viable options. I don't think in job security or scoring potential. Yeah. Um. So obviously next week it's just probably going to be a singular upgrade if you've gone early on Drury. And if you've only got 100K, the only person you're trading out to a premium is probably Hopper, right? Yeah. So, And then if Hopper has another good game, you're not going to trade him. So why did you have the 100K in the bank? You might as well use it instead of getting steel this week. You can get whoever's like 100K more than that. <laughs> yeah. Oliver or, or Petrarca, I think, would be a 100K above yeah. above steel or thereabouts. So um, that Assuming was the way it's that a you- good use of 100K. You're not just blowing it on somebody for the sake of blowing, blowing it away like – you have yeah. to have faith in that. Absolutely. Like if you yeah, love yeah. steel, get steel for sure. I'm not, not trying to talk you off steel. Um, but if you don't love him, don't be forced into picking him if you have to. Correct. Pick. Correct. Um, and I guess the other option is if the difference is 200K instead of 100K, then Chandler becomes um, next week becomes a 575K cash in the bank like once you, you go to trade him. So um, I, I think it does come down to if you genuinely have a plan to use the cash next week. Whereas if I, I think I had 70K pistol and then Chandler looks like the one that's that's getting close to the top. Let's say he becomes a trade-out option. He does another 30 or 40 next week. With 70K, I've got 450K. Who am I getting f- with that amount of money? I'm, I'm not getting anyone. And then I'm no. sitting on my hands waiting for, for Hopper um, to become a, a, a tradable option, which potentially end up holding him for the buys um, as yeah. cover, depending on how that goes. So... The, the way that I'm thinking about it is that rather than having that 70K in the bank and taking a chance with someone like a Brayshaw who might just revert back to his 100 average or steel who might get injured or Mills who could be thrown around again, I think I would feel a little bit more comfortable just using that cash and you know maybe getting someone like a Zeret um, or even a, a Luke Ryan who's sort of under-owned for how well he's played this year. I think that would be a better use of my cash. And it's all about that we've talked about particularly in the in the preseason when it terms to in terms of our players and that's the opportunity cost what are you what are you losing out on by not using that 70k or 100k to buy points into your team yeah and I'm, i guess like in your example chizo it's you don't particularly feel strongly about Brayshaw or steel or or Mills. No. so now you get somebody who you actually generally want to get and feel more comfortable with as well so yeah Get the sleep at night factor a little bit too. Yeah, exactly. Um, I and that that's probably leading on to the the next point is that are we basically saying that in the next two weeks as the upgrade cadence is like we we talked about what we might do next week, but pretty much after that point, we don't really have any rookies that are going to be worth trading out. Like even Mitchell will probably still have a little bit more cash to make, um, and then you know one round after that it's round. 12 where we usually don't really trade before the buys anyway and that's a a pretty dull week so uh, are we almost committing this week and spending the cash and that's sort of our not our last i don't want to say last upgrade before the buys but is that is that almost like uh, putting a hand up and saying okay like we've got to just pause until the buys get here before we can continue upgrading and, and wait for that cash to get there well it's very team specific yeah, I think it's it's too hard to answer. Like I, I'm not in a good way with my cash gen. Yeah, um, I mean I have I had to blow through my boost with the the Darcy Cameron in, the Darcy Cameron out, the, the boost for Doherty out, and then the boost for Tuki and the boost for Tuki out. I blew through five of my. Wait, so you haven't used a single one for upgrading? Oh, I mean, like you did, but then they had to get out. They the the two times that I did that for Darcy Cameron to get an extra premium and to, and um, took Miller. Both times they got oh, injured immediately. Man. So I didn't get to use a single boost to upgrade my side faster. It was just ended up being to trade back out the that player sucks. I brought in. Yeah. And was, obviously and getting rid of Doherty as well. So you've literally all five boosts have just been like, sidewaysing stuff. 
and because of that, I've missed out on some rookies as well. Yeah. So it's it's been uh, my bench is deplorable. I am holding on by the skin of my teeth because my starting team was quite decent. Um, yeah. So I think I've got this week of being you know kind of with or ahead of the the top of the. I guess the top teams and then the next couple of weeks I can't upgrade. So they'll be gaining ground on me and then I'll just be holding on for dear life until the end of the season. Um, but if you, if you've got people like Wilmot and McKenna and um, these types of players still making you money on the bench, you, you might definitely find yourself where you're able to make an upgrade this week and an upgrade next week and you're, you're yeah. cruising because who knows what rookies will be available in, yeah. in a fortnight's time or even in three weeks time. So um, each to their own this week. This is a big cool. week for trading. Yeah, yeah. Can no, sell up your I, whole season. I absolutely agree. I think that there'll be people that do nothing and there'll be people that boost. Like yeah. legitimately there's going to be two, both ends of the spectrums and everything in between will be happening this week and I think it's going to be, we might see some players um, who are at the pointy end that are really trying to get towards the top as quickly as possible and be aggressive, make some moves um to to keep that kind of upgrade cadence going that they necessarily don't need to because as you said before you don't need to get rid of McKenna's and Ashcrofts and and, and these kind of guys um and, and they're going to be beneficial when it comes through the buyers because they are best 22 but then the trade off is you know are you missing out on weeks without a premium so i, I think we've we've really covered that from every angle and i hope that was that was really enjoyable uh pistol any last thoughts uh from your personal side coming into this team uh, into, into this round, round nine. Oh, I think uh, just a shout out that there's two games on Friday night. So if you weren't aware, that might impact your loopholing. Um, so yeah, take note um, because it, yep. you don't. I don't want to. I don't want to see a. Uh, well, I, I do want to see a donation for the cancer council, but I, I, if it's there, I don't want it to read that I didn't realize that there was two Friday night games, and I you know, either messed up my captaincy loophole or messed up my uh, rookie loophole. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, mate. Thank you for sitting down for me. Uh, sitting down for me. <laughs> sitting down with me. <laughs> I don't like it when we podcast standing up. It hurts my legs. Uh, I appreciate you with all the chat that we have had this week. Community, thank you for listening. I hope that everything's uh, kind of looking up and we're starting to power through. The Slack template is starting to break through and uh, seeing some rank rises in the last few weeks. Uh, good luck this week. We'll catch you all in the next episode of the Dr. Supercoach podcast. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.